1: You're listening to The Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello, and welcome to Chapter 23 of The Corona Diaries. Um, and uh, I don't know what H has done this morning, but he's, his head's lower than it normally would be. His camera's a bit weird. So I've got lots of rug and just a little bit of head. Oh, the
0: rug's good, though, isn't it?
1: Oh, the rug's fantastic.
0: It's a nice bit, more more beautiful than I am at this ripe age.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I think you're both ageing well. Hmm. You you and the rug. Okay. How are you? Anyway.
0: I'm well, thank you, yes. Yes, I'm well. I'm recovering from yet another morning of domestic notary um but i'm gonna put that to one side because it's not serious <laughs> it's just general ordinary domestic pain in the neck stuff um and it's not serious and so yeah. i'm putting it to one side and uh, and there and there we are it's nothing, i'll just say one last time it's nothing serious before i get 40 40 concerned yeah. emails, because I know how, how concerned everybody is about my welfare, which is beautiful. So I'm great. There we are. Good.
1: Well, I've got a little bit of a cold, so I'm operating slightly down in the register.
0: Yeah, you so, are. Uh, you are. You've got your scarf yeah. on.
1: I've got my scarf on, yeah. Yes. I put a scarf on this morning. I do I do like a nice scarf. He
0: likes his scarf. He's very pleased with it.
1: I am actually very pleased. Speaking of things that you put round your neck, hmm. um, don't know where you go from there. Uh Paul Lezinski. onions you your French, actually um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good look, isn't
0: According it? According to the British, that's
1: a, that's a good look. Did I did I tell you I saw something on the on the the, the front of a bakery that for for social distancing help suggested mm. that just visualise three baguettes. Oh yeah, visualise three baguettes. That's the distance you need to be from somebody else. Oh okay. I like the idea of distances being measured in baguettes.
0: Three baguettes. Oh that's quite a long way. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mine baguette How long's a baguette? There are well, those ones that are about that long, aren't there? And then there's the ones that are that long.
1: I think it's the ones that are and that I am now long. doing that oh, thing three with my of hands. Them would be miles away. Couldn't even Yeah, you would be.
0: Couldn't you even have with the stone at three yeah. baguettes distance.
1: Yeah, but if you felt a bit com- more confident that the person you were speaking to wasn't contagious, you could eat a bit of the. I was just going to say, get, you could get, eat your way closer towards to him. them. There's a yeah.
0: song there, I'm going to eat my way towards you, baby.
1: <laughs> Actually, there is something in that, isn't it? It's got a bit of a Scooby Doo vibe, hasn't it?
0: I met a girl the other day, she was not a three baguette.
1: <laughs> Excellent. All right. Two and a half minutes I'll, I'll, and we're in trouble. I'll think, right. of it. <laughs> I'll
0: think of line two during the podcast. <laughs> right. Well, Lynetta okay. ran with that, to be honest. and uh, She's definitely not a three baguette.
1: Lynetta Lin- is definitely not a three baguette. No,
0: she's not even a jam sandwich.
1: Oh, I do like a jam sandwich. She's an after eight at most. Anyway. Right, yes. right. Okay, so P- Paul Lizinski, Uh <laughs> I'm only on the first bit. You know, we're gonna be here hours. He he got very excited by um, Corona Diaries lobster bibs. (laughs) It's a winner. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's nailed it. I think because the other thing is, I've got a I've got a suspicion that this audience probably has reached the age where they do dribble a little Mm. bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. So you mean from the mouth?
1: Yes, from the mouth. Oh, okay, yeah. But... So I think <laughs> I, I think some form of protective garment. Yes. And a lobster bib does it, doesn't it? I guess it
0: does, yes. A lobster bib would be I mean, how, how low is a lobster bib? I've kind of lost, lost. Because I think it was you that brought up the lobster bib. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, we were, well, I, I, yes. I brought hey, up terms...
0: lobsters and you were in like Flynn with the lobster bib,
1: as yeah. I recall. Yeah, but you ran with it.
0: Oh, you're yeah, doing no, the back. You're no, doing the
1: backing vocals with it
0: it. 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 it rang a bell, it did. But I'm just yeah. trying to visualize the length of a lobster bib. Is it like, um, is it like a sort of what's the word? Pinafore? It's, it's... Something you'd cook in? Or, or no, is it's it more just like sort of more.
1: No, you know those things that it's a bit more like you know things you used to give to kids um, as as like a bib, <laughs> but it had the little shelf at the bottom <laughs> to catch the food in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which always struck me as the most disgusting thing ever yeah. because why think, would you want to collect that? Do you think
0: this merch item is going to fly out, And
1: Well, Paul wants one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll leave it. Perhaps mm. that's a work in progress. It's a great word, lobster boob. It's a fantastic phrase, lobster boop, <laughs> lobster boop, lobster boop. You don't hear a lot of people saying it. No, those a small group of us who are now doing it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sounds
0: like no. some kind of nervous
1: tick. It does. It does. Uh there's a lot of nervous ticks coming out of this thing. Anyway, so which actually, with what Paul said about Lobster Bib, you've got a bit of a merch update, haven't you?
0: I have got a bit of a merch update. I've been speaking to a very nice lady called Marilyn. Of course I could have been dreaming it, but but I think it's real. And uh we're 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 on with. I've got two ideas for lapel pins, and I'm exploring them both simultaneously. And she's going to make me samples. And one is a one is a purple H, not too not too big, just just you know, not not don't don't want to make a fuss. Just want something subtle for the uh, you know, because more stylish. And then the other one was a little one with the little you know the little girl logo um reversed out of purple in white. In, in enamel. That's nice. In enamel and that, that could, could look good. Yeah, a yeah, uh, lot. Like so I'm gonna get them both made up. And I was feeling very good about that. Then I got an email from Marilyn saying she's gone on holiday till next Monday. Which I really wasn't expecting. So but that's Marilyn's for you. You know, they are a bit you know what's the word? Slighty. Well, yeah, Well, Marilyn Monroe was, so I suppose you yeah. can't judge them all against her, really.
1: No, but if I was being honest, Marilyn Monroe wouldn't have been my first port of call for merch.
0: No. No. No, definitely not these no. days.
1: No. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> so so <laughs> there's your merch update. <laughs> no,
1: there's your merch <laughs> update.
0: Um, I'll so- try and make more sense during the next merch update
1: okay uh those somebody had suggested an idea for a t-shirt hadn't they
0: well the back
1: of a t-shirt
0: yeah Ah, the back of a t-shirt said who the bloody hell is that on the back of a t-shirt which i think is might well have legs that might have legs so we could just have something a bit more subtle on the front you know a purple t-shirt perhaps with with TCD on it or something, yeah. Just a TCD, and then TCD. on the back it could say, "Who the bloody hell's that?" I quite
1: like that. Yeah, I well, quite we'll, like that. We'll we'll no doubt get some feedback on that, so we'll we'll yeah. Yeah, we'll leaf through that and see what we're going to get what that invoices,
0: is. let alone feedback. The way yeah. we're nicking all these <laughs> ideas, I am going to be getting you know getting done for intellectual rights.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what to suggest because everything's in your name, so I am. I'm fine with it. I've got lawyers, right? Okay.
0: I've got okay. the four four lawyers of the apocalypse of the, on right. broomsticks, winging their way towards you. Don't take me on; you'll regret it. Right.
1: Okay. And and there it is. A very a very nicely put, but slightly distressing warning there from H. Yeah, there was definitely an edge to that. I've got
0: Valkyries as well. If the lawyers yes. don't get any sense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that, that prompted a few responses as well. Oh but, there, but there we are.
0: Oh, I've got all sorts tucked away. Don't mess with me. I, I, I,
1: I have no doubt. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, Andy Williams. Andy oh. Williams has, has, uh, has, has been in... I don't think this was on...
0: It's my happy
1: yep. I don't think it was that one. No. No. Um, <laughs> He's pointed us towards. He's busy Mongo's. making badges with
0: Marilyn Monroe at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Um Well, he, he, I mean, to be fair, that's good because for years he just didn't know what to do with himself. But now he's <laughs> now he's found a reason. That was Dusty Springfield. Was it all oh, right? Yeah. Okay, oh, no. well, that's handy because I thought it was him. Who I, what did he, oh, What did he do then? The
0: one with the he never the wore heavy eyeliner. Andy Williams. He just wore he pullovers not? and things, didn't he?
1: I probably did. I I
0: think he had a TV show, and that was the first time I ever saw Elton John doing Rocket Man. was on the Andy Williams TV show. It used to be on sort of early evening, 7pm. Right. Back in the way, back in the way, back.
1: Oh, right, okay, okay. And I went out out and bought it. I thought,
0: ooh, that's a cracking track. I'm off. Right. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, no, it's all right.
1: So Andy Williams, (laughs) the other one. (laughs) The other one. Um has pointed us towards Bongo's Rock and Roll Pickles. Yes, Manny Elias. Manny Elias. I, I had a look
0: over the yes, weekend. Yes, I had a look as well. Yeah, and he's, he's got a new um, wife because his wife used to be called Jeannie and they lived in Bath, But now he's up in the, uh, somewhere else, isn't he? He's up in f- Cheshire,
1: he's, he's my neck
0: Right, he's in Cheshire with a Coronation Street actress.
1: Get oh, in. I didn't know
0: that. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. she's, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, well done, Great. Mr. Alliance. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should just say, there we are, or something. But it yeah. was, yes. I'm not surprised about the chilies because he, he used to go on about chilies and he used to eat raw chilies and said, you get used to them. You know, and I once right. had a, a bite of one of his raw chilies and oh, my God, I caught fire. Uh but he had a knack for it. So, it, yes, he's obviously found a, a kind of soulmate with a, an equal weakness for hot food.
1: So it's nice to nice to catch up with Manny. I it thought that with was Manny
0: who nice. told me about the minibar parties, yeah. And the yeah, nice. V.V. Manley and all
1: <laughs> and all that. And all that, I know, V.V. Manley was great. Um, Victor Vivian. We must shout out to Chris Hobbs. Chris Hobbs. Um, uh, Chris Hobbs, because he contacted me. He's just been awarded his purple belt in martial arts. Oh. And he thought it was all very fitting.
0: Oh, that, I think that's only a step down from black, you know, so yes. don't mess with yeah. him. Don't no, piss not, him off.
1: No, no, we're not going to insult Chris. A lovely fella, Chris Hobbs. He's a, bit han- he's a bit handy. Yeah. Um. So that's fine. So well done to Chris, and, and, and he liked the purple link, which was nice. And then the final thing that I picked up on on bits of nonsense was, it's well, not nonsense, but the feedback... Um, Mark had spoken to us, um, and he was curious about the worst band in the world, mm. which was a comment you made in the diary was when it? you in Syracuse. Yes. Oh
0: yeah, went to, that's right, we went to a club and the worst band in the world
1: was on. Yeah.
0: It was probably one of those hair bands, you know, that used to happen in the 80s. It used to It's in America, not so much here, but in America, there was lots of bands that took longer with their hairspray than they did tuning their guitars you know and they'd get on stage and they'd usually have they were like those bands who were always busy pretending to be other bands that you wouldn't even want to see in the first place <laughs> uh and they'd always have a singer going Wah! you know or something like that which i mean I, although i must doff my cap out of respect to ian Gillen, um he does have a lot to answer for with sort of Starting that style of singing because a lot of really awful singers took up that mantle and went ooh with big hair forever.
1: It was peak hair rock, wasn't it? Early nineties was absolutely peak hair rock. I think where it was, yeah, yeah. where it was all eyeliner and it was all. I'm thinking of bands like Rat and Poison and all that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was
0: never a huge fan of such bands. I mean, I, I mean, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and put my fellow musos down because no. it's, it's not the easiest path to tread being a, a rock and roll musician. So the last thing rock and roll musicians need is is other rock and roll musicians putting them down and taking the mickey and saying they're rubbish when really they don't know anything about them uh, because it's the easiest thing in the world for somebody with any kind of sized hair to, to sit and say, oh, I'm rubbish and Mm. who can argue with that, you know, because it's all taste at the end of the day. So I'm going to be nice, but I did think they were the worst band in the world, although I don't remember who they were, what they were, but I bet they had big hair, and and I bet they weren't very good. Um, 10CC had a song called We're the, the Worst Band in the World. It's one thing to know it, but another to admit we're the worst band in the world, but we don't give a... They never even said shit because they were gentlemen. They just left right. it hanging. I think that's the opening track on sheet music. Right. But I could be wrong.
1: So there you go, Mark. Um, H is very, 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 very kind to all fellow musicians and not going to you know discount them at all other than the fact they were the worst band in the world.
0: Yeah, I'm learning, you know, because I, I, it's, it's not nice, is it, to hear people no. being horrible about other people. It's not clever and it's not big, so no. just hold your tongue, Mr H. That's
1: right, that's Keep right.
0: Keep your old it... nasty, prejudiced little hang-ups to yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you, right. Um, <laughs> no, we... i tell you P- I
0: don't like, no, carry on. <coughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, I really want to know now. No. no. <laughs> I just we'll... said that for a fact. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but you wouldn't take much pushing to tell us, would you? <laughs> Um so we said last week that this week we would pick up on the whole topic of hotels. Oh yeah. Go because on. I'd I'd kind of wanted to know the best and the worst hotel experience. And this also came from the hotel um in Syracuse, didn't it? The one that got the Stalag thirteen.
0: Um, yes, the prisoner of war, not the concentration camp. I, I hasten to correct you, Mr. Short, but but I did say a prisoner of war camp. Um, you know, um and to be honest, I can't remember anything about it other than that it didn't have a bar, which was probably what upset me. That's it, all a, it, it didn't have a bar, and B, it was raining. They were probably the, the two circumstances that conspired to, to create the vitriol. Um, <clears throat> but, oh, I've stayed in some humdingers at, at both ends of the scale, really. I think well, you, you alluded to one in Liverpool. Yes, the Ridges um, Hotel is just a classic. Um, um, we stayed there for the Euros. Hmm. Do you want to hear um, about it? <laughs> I, 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 well, <laughs> I think we were we were doing this gig up, up somewhere. I don't think it was even in Liverpool. I think it was just outside Liverpool, and we were. Who's that? Who's that guy? Richard Jobson uh from uh, what was that band he was in one of those scottish arm swaying bands uh and he was i better not even say he was a nutter because he was a nutter and he might come looking for me because i imagine he still is a nutter but he used to do this was it not the skids was it the skids not the skids the somethings they had a hit it'll come to me
1: anyway do you know do you know what i'm gonna to have to stop it just for a second yeah. because grace Byers sent me a little thing on facebook right. uh which was just a, one of these little kind of moments of inspiration all these little things Which said the closest you can get to knowing what it's like to be a ghost is listening to a podcast where the hosts are trying to remember a piece of trivia that you know um, so i bet i bet grace knows I, bet Grace I, think, knows who we-
0: I think they might have been the Skids. And I can't remember their hit, but I bet Grace Byers knows. And um, their singer was called Richard Jobson. And he was a bit of a fearsome character. I, I found him quite frightening. I thought he was a bit loopy. Um, you know, in a kind of vaguely aggressive, you know, I can, he can probably come over here and punch us any minute sort of way. And he was doing... He was reading poetry, and he was reading Sylvia Plath with a really broad Glaswegian <laughs> accent. <laughs> oh, Daddy, you do not do all black shoe in which I have lived all these years. Uh, which was well weird. I mean, Plath, Plath's a bit bleak on a good day, but with a heavy <laughs> Glaswegian accent, it's, you know, you found yourself trying to get through any any window that would open. Um. <laughs> and I th- we were doing a gig with him. I don't know why we were opening, supporting, supporting a mad Scotsman reading poetry. And um, we it was almost
1: almost prophetic. Anyway, I'll that because I'm going to I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs>
0: yes, we, Well, we needed we needed a place to stay, and somehow we'd found this hotel principally because it would have been dirt cheap. I should imagine because uh, we didn't get used to get paid or get paid much. And we found this hotel called the Ridges Hotel. And it was in Lime Street up against the station. And wow, wow. It was like a and b And we arrived about two in the afternoon in Liverpool, a little travel weary, having come up from London. And you went through the door and there was a corridor and on the left was the sort of downstairs sitting room. And there was a lady of a certain age, sitting on a sofa, slightly reclining, with a bottle of Gordon's gin next to her, Uh, clearly already the worst for, for several of such gins, and she was called Mrs. Ridges, and she was terribly, terribly, I can't possibly, oh, darlings, oh, you're in a group, oh, how wonderful, how, she couldn't stand up, oh, how wonderful. Oh my son, he plays the guitar. He's called Mark. Mark Richards plays the guitar. Beautiful guitar player, darling. He's played with them all. Russ Abbott, Jim Davidson. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we're all there trying not to do it trying not to do what you've just done. <laughs> Try oh he's played with them all Russ Abbott, Jim Davidson. And we're all going, oh, you know, is there any chance of a room? Oh, straight up the stairs, I'll give you a key, dear, I'll give you a key. Anyway, the the room she put us in was freezing cold. There was a sink in one corner of the room that only had cold water. The beds were um, furnished with orange nylon sheets with cigarette burn holes in them, right, and not much else. There wasn't much, by the way, of blankets, and it was winter. And when we eventually we went off and did this gig with Richard Jobson, and then when we eventually got back at about two or three in the morning, we we we'd got a key and we let ourselves in, and uh, you know it was just I don't you know orange nylon sheets with cigarette burns. It's just not what you want to really sleep in, even when you're young and will put up with just about anything. It was really, really grim. And I don't remember getting a lot of sleep. And we we got up the next morning about 9am and went down for breakfast. And she hadn't moved. She was still on the sofa. And the, the gin bottle was empty. And... She was still sitting there. We sort of craned our head gingerly around, around the, the doorway of her room. I was, oh, darling, she said, I can't possibly make you breakfast. I've been up all night waiting for a friend who let me down. And uh, <laughs> in the end, she gave each of us a fiver back rather than have to make his breakfast. <laughs> so that was the Ridges Hotel and uh, i can't i mean i can't imagine mrs Ridges is still here <laughs> to, to listen to this uh, slur I'm, on her character
1: i'm just i'm just going to google just to check <laughs>
0: the ridges hotel i think it's extremely unlikely that it'll be standing let alone still in business um but that was that might have been the worst one Although there was a kind of package holiday hotel, well, it wasn't a hotel it was would you call it a hotel? I suppose you'd have to call it a hotel but me and my ex wife used to get um used to get package holidays off c fax back in the days oh, of c fax c fax all was a mistake uh, and they were always kind of last minute things that had been cancelled you know and you'd you'd jump in on the cancellation on c fax because i've never been able to kind of book book holidays because i never knew what i was going to be doing so they were always last minute okay we've got two weeks run things and we went to Zakynthos in um, in greece never go there never go there And, and um we you know we went flew there and then got got on this bus and rattled around and then we were eventually dropped off at what looked like well just the middle of nowhere and there wasn't much and then there was this sort of concrete block um that you know was our hotel with this old farmer who uh, met us outside and the doors didn't fit the door jaws. You couldn't actually lock the doors because they didn't fit properly. None of the windows fitted the window holes. Uh, The place was just made (laughs) of concrete. And I'd got a laptop. I'd got a laptop and I thought, I'm not going to be able to leave this laptop here. You know, you can't lock it. You can't lock the place. What am I going to do with this? So in the end, I had to leave my laptop with the farmer because he had a house that he said, oh, I can lock it in the house. You know, you better not leave it in there. I am thinking, no, are damn right. And we went in and it was just painted white inside and it was full of mosquitoes, of oh. absolutely rammed with mosquitoes. And there was no way of keeping them out because none of the windows fitted. Um, and then on the first night, the very first night, we, we, we'd got, uh, that must have been when we just had Sophie and I think Sophie was in... A little, so I put you up bed. And um, that's right, yeah. So if he was in a, a, a little bed, I don't think we'd had Nile. And so, up all night, you know, with the Mozzie's zipping around your ears and whatnot. And then the whole night, there was a scratching coming from under the floor. Something was scratching the concrete floor beneath us. Which was, you know, that's not going to give you a good <laughs> night's sleep, is it? I'm thinking, what the hell can that be? It must be some kind of. I hope it's not a human being, for God's sake, because if it is, they must be locked in. Uh, it might be an animal of some description. I wonder what it is. We found out in the morning what it was. There was a hole underneath the floor, and the farmer must have had well it must i'm assuming it was a farmer's or unless it was a stray there was a dog in this hole under the floor and it was giving birth to pups and it was in labor poor poor creature and it was scratching on the floor because it was in labor and the following morning it had had these pups and I got up, put my shorts on, you know, in grease, boiling hot, covered in mosquitoes bites. <laughs> <but like laughs> I put my shorts on and I opened the door to the morning sunlight and this dog came in, wagging its tail and spraying afterbirth up my legs, <laughs> spraying blood and gore up all the walls and, you know, that's not a good hotel. <laughs> so that wasn't a humdinger right <laughs> and then i think later on that same. in the in the end we just uh you know we are we're not very, we weren't very well off back in those days money was tight but we thought Do you know what we've got to get out of here and we had to go and buy another buy another holiday you know we still had to pay for the one we would bought on Fax, <laughs> but we thought we're gonna go and find a hotel so then we found another hotel which was which had doors that closed, but no air conditioning. It was about forty two degrees. And you could and and we the guy on the reception said, Oh, it's very hot. He said, But you can get fan. So we went, Right. He said, thirty five quid. So he charged us thirty five quid to hire a fan just so you could have some air moving in the room. And the toilets were disgusting, and then we went. Then we went to. I'm, I'm straying slightly from hotels now. We went. We went to the beach. Sophie went swimming, and she got impetigo in the sea, Ooh. and all her skin started peeling off her legs, and she was in agony. Poor little thing, and she was only a toddler, and she was screaming her head off all night in uh, in pain. So never go there. That's yeah. all I've got to say. So that that wasn't really as bad as the ridges hotel that that probably trumps all the bad hotels i've stayed in there was one in um somewhere in america we stayed was it america yeah it was america oh where was that that was like a that was a motel and we went in there and it had mirrors on the ceiling and the walls and everything it was actually you know for for hookers and we ended up in, <laughs> in, that, in that place, <laughs> a, sort of, a sort of, you know, casual sex motel. That was a bit dodgy. Um, so they're the ones that sort of trip off the mind. But nothing quite beats Mrs. Ridges. I can't possibly make a breakfast, darling. I've been up all night waiting for a friend who let me down.
1: Um <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> i still use uh, it i still uh, use it br- down at the studio
0: you know if, if, I... <laughs> uh, if, uh. if ever if ever i'm asked to cook you know i tend to roll that one out i can't possibly done. um ross abbott jim david so <laughs> played with them all beautiful,
1: beautiful guitar player um uh, so what what about a decent one then? You must have stayed somewhere. Well, <laughs> half, half reasonable. Stayed
0: somewhere. Well, we tend to stay in sort of above average hotels. We, we we very rarely stay in the really really good ones. But but there was there was uh, uh, well at one point in the when was that? Was that the late? That must have been in the nineties. We had a um, a German promoter called Peter Riga. And, in his wisdom or lack of, he decided one day that he would buy the whole production of tommy uh the who thing you know uh yeah it was it was on Broadway, and he bought it um to put on in germany and he that also involved in buying a theater and modifying the theater to take the production, which was very very high tech and needed all kinds of extra hardware uh, yeah. to make it possible and uh he got it into his head that he wanted me to be tommy he wanted me to play the lead and so um i mean the way it all worked out was he really got very badly shafted um by the the people that he bought it off because they charged him a fortune for it he spent about a million um million euros on on converting the theater and then um at the end of all of that they pointed out that he couldn't he had no creative input whatsoever and wasn't allowed to specify who played the lead and they moved the guy from new york who'd played the lead in new york to frankfurt who wasn't very good um and i think it was their way of getting rid of him from broadway without having to be sued or pay him so in the end and it, it never happened the whole thing sort of fell apart but uh, at the beginning he when he was at the stage where he thought he did have some clout he decided he, he wanted me to do it and he flew me to New York to see Tommy in Broadway uh, you know no expenses spared at all he really treated me and he flew me there, and um, he put me in the St. Regis Hotel in Manhattan, and that is a really nice hotel. Um, and I had a butler, and uh, and the bed was very comfy, you know, and all the usual. I had a suite and a butler, and um, I, I, you know, I, was, I, I went to the I went to the bar. There's a very famous bar in the St. Regis called the King Cole Bar. Which is a big mural behind it, which is apparently has been known to be frequented by, you know, Marilyn Monroe and John Lennon and Salvador Dali and, the, you know, the great and the good of Manhattan. Um, but the thing I remember most about the St. Regis, I remember two things. The soap smelt great. Um, so they they'd put the boat out of the soap. And secondly, after I left my t- electric toothbrush there and flew back to England, they um, they they put it in a little box and posted it back to me. Um, oh, wow. Which was very cool. You know, I yeah. phoned up and went, I think I left my electric toothbrush. And they went, oh, don't worry, sir, I'm sure we'll find that for you. You know, if we could have your address, we'll make sure I'd get back to you, sir. And they did, and it did, you know. And so, you know, it's the it's the little things, it's the little that things, like hanging on to your stuff. Yeah. Because I don't have told you this. Have to, I told you about when they checked me out of the hotel at the um, uh, in London? The uh, what was it called that thing? Hang on, it will come to me. Uh, the Hilton Hotel next to the big roundabout at Shepherd's Bush.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll tell yeah.
0: you all of that about doing the uninvited guest video and getting back at three in the morning and they check me out, and no. and all my stuff had gone.
1: Well, tell you what, because that we get into a diary point, but do you know what? Because <laughs> I was going to say, I wanted to try and keep one hotel story this, for that's, the odds and a, sodcast. Okay. So we'll keep that for the odds and sods cast. So, so uh, right. the pur- the purples are going to get that one in the odds and sods because we're about to record that after this. Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll segue into a bit of into a bit of diary. Okay. Um, which finds you uh, in the US. You're going to be leaving Syracuse, <laughs> and uh, and hit New York, and hit Washington, and hit um, Philadelphia, and yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a bit of a ride actually. Mm. So um, so without further ado, Ron, which I've started saying because I quite like. <laughs> which is true in my case. Which exactly, yeah, yeah, which is why, 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 why I quite like it. Uh, so, so without much further ado, Ron, um, <laughs> we'll go to diary if you like.
0: Okay, that would be lovely. Back to the USA then. Here we go. Friday, 27th of March Syracuse, Lost Horizon <laughs> Up at 9.15 to drive to Utica where we were scheduled to perform an acoustic set at lunchtime so piled into the minibus with Pete, Steve, John and Priv arrived, got lost, then found and turned up at Lily Langtrees around 12 it's a sort of bar cafe with a little stage Lily Langtry was an actress in the late 19th century and notable as a close friend of Oscar Wilde and as the mistress of Bertie, Prince of Wales, soon to become King Edward VII. She also took up with a millionaire or two in the US and became an American citizen before her death. By one o'clock it was packed and there was a murmur of excitement for a small show, the perpetrators of which had no idea what they were doing. Nonetheless, everyone seemed happy at the radio station, said it sounded great on the air. Signed hundreds of autographs and returned to Stalag 13 for a couple hours sleep. Sound check at the Lost Horizon seemed to take forever. A couple of Jewish fans turned up and gave me a Hebrew Monopoly from Israel. Very nice of them. The sound out front was surprisingly good, but the sound on stage was unsurprisingly awful, both at soundcheck and during the show. Dips in the mains voltage put paid to Rothery's back line for most of the gig. Must remember to turn the lights on at soundcheck and see what happens next time. The crowd seemed cool, but then the band weren't cooking, so who can blame them? Oh dear, never mind. Karen from IRS nonetheless seemed pleased. I dunno. Saturday, twenty eighth of March. New York City, the Ritz. Arrived around nine, checked into the Melbourne Hotel on West 76th and Broadway, and went by pies for a couple of hours. Phoned my girls, spoke to Fifi. They both sounded fine. Dis says it's very hot in South Africa. Thought I'd pop out for a spot of breakfast. When I hit the street, it was very damp and chilly, so I jumped a cab and went to Macy's in search of Halston Z14 underarm stick, which is getting harder to find all the time. Located three and bought them all. Had coffee and croissant at the cafe in the basement and browsed round the Italian crockery. Returned to the Museum of Modern Art to replace my Norman Parkinson hat fashions poster previously nicked to Bivarig Airlines in Rio. Bought sewing tools to repair my Workers for Freedom favourite shirt, whose buttons had been completely reduced to bits of plastic by some steamroller ironing process at the Holiday Inn Mexico City, and returned to the hotel to sew. At the sound check, which sounded good, I took a phone call from Voyo Milosevic, who used to play guitar in my first band Harlow asking for a ticket to the gig. Also learned that Colin War, the other half of How We Live and his New York wife Marie, were coming over. Well, better be good then. The show went well. The audience seemed cool again, especially after Canada, but afterwards the vibe was unanimously positive. Chatted with Voyo, who didn't know of Steve Ross's tragic death, Harlow's bass player had taken his own life back in the early 80s and to Colin and Marie, who didn't know of Niall's birth. Sylvina and JP from Buenos Aires, and Michelle from Mexico City, had all called in en route to London. Amazing. Showered and took the bus to Washington. Sunday, 29th March. Washington DC, the Bayou. Arrived at the hotel at nine, checked in and had a spot of breakfast with Ian. He mentioned that he would call the Secret Service agent he'd met at the Syracuse gig with regard to a tour of the White House. It all sounds dubious to me. He'd given Ian a card with his name and a Secret Service logo on it. Only in America could they give calling cards to the Secret Service. Hello there, George Smiley, spy, lovely to meet you. Here's my card. G Smiley, Esquire, MI5, Cambridge Circus, London West 1. Open Mondays to Saturdays. Found my room and went to bed. I was only marginally successful at sleeping, but I struggled through a couple of hours before getting up and walking from Chinatown, where the hotel is situated, uptown in search of a good spot to drink coffee and write this diary eventually stumbled upon the restaurant within the Stouffer Mayflower Hotel, which was most pleasant. There were chandeliers twinkling, a large ice sculpture of a swan as a centrepiece on a large ornate dining table, and a trio of two violins and flute playing away in the corner. Very civilised, if a little twee. Obviously a must-hub for the Bob and Pearl's Washington set. Ordered Earl Grey tea and a spot of lunch and, goodness, I felt a million miles and a million years away from intake, Doncaster. Sound check was problematical and doors were open before we left the stage. Took a cab back to the hotel, care of Selma, a 50-year-old black country girl who was friendly and impressed by the queue of people outside the club. The vibe at the show was the best so far since Montreal, i.e. exceptional. What is it about Washington? Can't wait to do it again. Monday, 30th of March. Washington, Philadelphia, Chestnut Cabaret. Woke up in Washington, had breakfast and wrote a few postcards. Mooched through Chinatown trying to find stamps. We all piled back into the minibus and spent most of the day travelling to Philadelphia. When we arrived at the club I realised I'd been here once before, on a night off, although I don't think I'd stayed long. It's a shame we weren't going to have more time here. I like Philadelphia. There's something about the place. At the beginning of the show the intro loop begins for splintering heart. This intro builds slowly in intensity until a double kick drum joins it. Dub, dub. I stood in the wings all ready to go listening to the loop building and as the kick drums arrived some guy from a fan club suddenly appeared next to me and said hello Steve, I'd like to present you with this cake he was proudly holding a large chocolate cake before me er, uh, thanks, it's not really a good time right now I said, trying desperately to keep count of the kick drums oh gee oh gee I guess I'll have to give it to you later then. Yes, that would be good. Uh, That's very kind. By this time, I had lost count. Needless to say, I missed the cue and sang the whole of the verse in the wrong place while the band nervously looked on. Since that night, every time we play or rehearse Splinter in Heart, as the kick drums arrive in the loop, I can't help but think, cake, and smile to myself. My voice was on the edge too. Steve R. broke a string during the solo, so all things considered, we got off to a bad start. Fortunately, it all got better. My voice opened up during the set and we all seemed into it. Steve R. found a sense of humour and communication with the crowd, which from my perspective is a new and welcome development. Afterwards, I went out into the audience and signed things for people. I also cut the above-mentioned chocolate cake from the US fan club. This show was the fourth in a row and exhaustion had well and truly set in. Boarded the bus and had to wait for the crew to finish up before finding the Ramada Hotel and a shower. Party mood ensued on the bus in anticipation of the day off ahead. I hadn't the strength. Lay in my bunk and drifted off to sleep with a grin listening to the happy sound of a drunken chorus downstairs singing girlfriend is better by the Talking Heads. Well, got a girlfriend all in my hair. Well done Alex. Thursday, 31st of March, Columbus day off. Woke up in a garage. The boss had blown a tire and was awaiting a wheel change. Everyone else was sleeping so I went over to the truck stop and phoned England to discover that my house buyer has finally been cleared for a mortgage so maybe we can exchange soon. Drove the rest of the way to Columbus, Ohio and checked into the Holiday Inn. Went out walking and bought flowers for my room. Spent the rest of the day writing up this diary and waiting for something to happen. Columbus Holiday Inn was on the campus of OSU, that's Ohio State University, so the environment was like a scene from The Graduate. In the evening, I went out to an Italian restaurant, but it was closed. Wednesday, 1st of April, Columbus, Newport Theatre. Rabbits, white rabbits. My mother used to say that on the 1st of every month. Up around twelve. Picked up at 12.30 by Greg from IRS to go to a live radio interview with Jack. It went very well. We talked about Scotland. My son does the sound for Ted Nugent. And rogering. check went well and I decided to come back to the show early to check out Wes, our guitar tech and opening act. So I told Ray I'd see everyone at the gig. Unfortunately, a hot bath rendered me unconscious and I slept until stage time, 9.15, freaked and arrived at the show, still waking up at 9.30. The show went well, although the audience was a bit slack. After show reaction seemed enthusiastic, didn't sleep well. Thursday, 2nd of April, Cleveland Empire Early check-in at the Holiday Inn, West 150th Street. Slept a bit and then had lunch with Steve R, Jack and Ray. Left the hotel at two to drive across town to a record store, Sam's Jams, for signing. Good fun. Straight on to soundcheck, which took about two hours. That's longer than the show, something of a Marillion tradition. Privet was having trouble stopping Ian's tom-toms ringing. Doom, 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 for about 40 minutes. Sound on stage at the show was iffy, and the reaction from the crowd was disappointing compared to last time, and therefore my expectations. Afterwards, however, everyone I spoke to seemed blown away. I later learned that Midge Shaw played here last night, and only fifty people showed up. We sold out at around seven hundred. Puts it into perspective, I guess.
1: And we're back. Um, and and H and I have both done. Command S on the fly. Um, so we, are, we have got so proficient at this log now, we're actually saving our work partway through. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's it impressive,
1: is. isn't it? It's
0: so, we're solid, man.
1: We're solid. we're solid. Solid. I like that. We are solid. We are. So um, what a lovely little section of diary. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that, actually. Um, obviously, I've not heard you read it because that's not how <laughs> we put this together, but I read it myself this morning um and and i i have questions oh i will fire away i'm gonna start with uh you mentioned you went out to buy flowers for the room Mm. which i think is lovely Mm. i think it's really nice that you would do that when you're in a hotel my question obviously is did you carry your own vase around with you No, the the
0: reply to that is that, no, I didn't. I used to go down to reception and ask them for a vase, which they used to provide. Um, In America, if you go down to reception and ask them for a vase, they look at you as though you've asked them for, I don't know, something from outer space, because they don't call them vases. They call them vases, I think. Uh, But my grandmother used to say vase, vase, or vase. (laughs) Uh, I've never heard a vase called a vase, uh, but my grandmother used to say vase. uh, But then she was bonkers. Uh, So it might not even be a word that exists in English. But she used to say that. And if you ask for a vase in America, they usually look at you with a slightly glazed expression because it's a vase. So you've got to ask for a vase, and then you're in with a chance and they used to provide a vase for me, and I used to cut my cut my flowers in my room and my you know put them by the bed um, I did on one occasion go and buy a bedside lamp, and that's what that's what led to the rug incident because um, i bought a I bought a lamp a, a, a galley lamp uh, from this the, you know, this wizard salesman in uh, San Francisco and put that by my bed next to the flowers so I could really get a vibe going. And that was sort of orange, dark orange glass with an illuminated orange glass base as well. Um, that was really beautiful. And then the bulb went and I had to go back for a, another bulb. And, the, and then I ended up buying a rug seven thousand dollars it all got out of hand i ended up in tears <laughs>
1: well yeah, i can i can understand why if, if i'm if i'm being honest
0: i remember going to the tour manager tim brickers saying tim i don't know what i've done i've bought a rug and i was like t- and, you know i was actually crying <laughs> i said what am i gonna do he said and timmy was like oh bloody hell oh, oh oh it's a bit like that tim oh oh, bloody hell, oh, good man of not cost nothing. Well, we were laughing, I was laughing, they were laughing. He was like that. And he went, oh, 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 but you've done what, you are doing. I said, I bought a rug, oh, go. Oh, let's have a look. And he came to my room and I laid it out on the bed and he looked at me and he went, oh, well, it is a very nice rug. <laughs> 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 That was as helpful as he turned out to be. <laughs> is that?
1: Is that? Is that become one of your stock phrases when you <laughs> actually can't add anything to the conversation? What? <laughs> Somebody asks you a question, you go, "Well, it's a very nice rug." Well, it's a very nice rug?
0: So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, back to the flowers. So, yeah, I used to, I used to go out and buy flowers, and they just used to cheer me up. You know, um, is that
1: where the little doodle came from? Your little vasey flowery doodle or uh, it, or you... well
0: not entirely unrelated but I don't know oh. if it came from there but but I I had this I had this kind of thing that I would put on you know if I had time and uh, I was asked for autographs I'd do a flower and a stick of dynamite hmm. which I thought was a sort of dual representation of my psyche right. you know the two aspects of how I generally behaved
1: Right.
0: <laughs> were could be summed up in that way,
1: um it's when you say things like that, I'm really happy we record these remotely
0: <laughs> um, so so, you, so yeah I used to go and get flowers a lot oh, very nice. very nice flower market in Amsterdam. I always used to go and buy flowers, yes I was in Amsterdam yes. as well. ask for a vase, vase or vase I don't know what's Dutch for vase uh. Somebody will probably write in.
1: Oh, we'll find me. out. I we'll can add out.
0: that to the list. vase, Vars, Vars, or... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's for it.
1: And then the other thing, there's, there's, there's so many things I could ask you out of, the, out of this week's diary excerpt. But Tuesday the 31st of March, um, you woke up in a garage, the bus had blown a tyre, and was awaiting a wheel change, and, and the only and, and the thing that's fine, nothing, nothing particularly unusual there. Well, I mean, quite unusual, obviously, never happened to me. But it—you didn't wake up when you blew a tire; you woke up to find the tire being changed.
0: Yeah, I guess I must have. Um,
1: maybe you know, maybe
0: it wasn't a sensational sort of bang. Uh, I certainly never heard it. And, you know, the first I knew was waking up in this garage and finding out. um, They do have a lot of wheels, those American tour buses. So he might have just blown one, you know, without a great deal of drama Mm. and then had a light come on, you know, to tell him. Um, So I I just honestly don't know. I I do remember breaking down a tour bus in, in France some years later and that was much more sensational that went with a bang and then a kind of right. you know grinding noise and we 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 limped to the side of the motorway and that that actually woke me up although it didn't wake everybody up it woke me up and i i went to the front and looked out and i could see kind of the amber light of tow trucks flashing and all of that and i thought oh god and uh that was a very bad moment because um uh, I, that was the kind of last nail in the coffin of my my first marriage, and I knew it. You know, there's always one pivotal moment that you know is this. This one is the last straw. You know, this one definitely is the last straw, and that. it was the last straw because my wife had flown out to Paris to meet me for breakfast. Meet me for breakfast in Paris for a romantic breakfast. You know, uh, and once again, I wasn't going to be there. Um, I'd kind of failed her for the umpteenth time. The San Francisco rug being one of them. <laughs> 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 but this was this was the last straw, and I, and I knew it, you know. I sat there in the front of this bus looking at the, the, uh, the, 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 um, the hard shoulder of the French motorway thinking, well, there it goes. Uh, anyway. For of the best. Oh dear! The back.
1: Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Well, I'll I'll bring us back. So we don't we don't end there. So I'll I'll bring us back and just say, the other thing you talk about yeah. is um, and allude to is that Ian, who's befriended the Secret Service at that point, oh, yeah. has a route to get you a White House tour. But I don't know if you actually tell us whether that actually happened or not.
0: It did happen, and. Um... That happened in quite amusing circumstances as well because, um, again, my ex-wife Sue had flown out. This wasn't a this was that tour, but a, a later tour. Uh, I mean, first of all, it was just the very the, the very weird fact that this guy had business cards that he used to hand out, you know, going, uh, Jim, I don't know his name now, he's called Jim Carer, Jeffrey Carer, Jeffrey Carer, Jeffrey Carer. lovely bloke. And uh, I think he's now, he's since been promoted and he's now the chief of White House security. So he's actually the boss of all the guys who stand on the roof with guns and God knows what. And he he used to go to Martha's Vineyard with with the Clinton family when they went on holiday. And I think he's still working with Trump right now. Um, But Jeffrey Carer had cards that just said, Jeffrey Carer, (laughs) Secret Service. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on them, which used to make me laugh um and um and so i thought he was a wind-up but oh he's just a nutter you know secret service don't have cards for god's sake anyway it turns out they do and um the following tour uh i phoned him up and asked him if you know is that is that invitation to do the tour of the white house still on and he went yeah sure man um so, I gave him the number of the hotel in Washington that was going to be in when I got there. And I was coming overnight from somewhere else um, to Washington. And Sue had flown in from England um, and I was already in the hotel and was in a deep sleep because she was jet lagged, you know, she'd only got in the day before. And she's in this deep sleep when the phone rings and she answers the phone. And this, this voice says, Hello, this is uh, Mr. Kara from the Secret Service. So she freaks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, thought, she thought she was under arrest, um, you know. And then, and then it eventually transpired that, that you know he wasn't arresting her, and but he wanted to speak to me, and I hadn't got there yet. So, so when I find, when I walked into the hotel, she said. Some guy from the Secret. <laughs> it's called. I went. Oh yes, yes, that'll be Jeffrey. She goes. Yeah. I said. Well, you know, he's 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 gonna give us a tour of the White House. And she sort of looked at me and said, Yeah, right. You know. Anyway, he did, and we did. Um, we went there, in the we went there. It was a Sunday evening, and it was during the Clinton pres- presidency. And when we got there, he said, uh, wouldn't you know it, he said he's actually working late in the Oval Office, so we're not going to be able to go into the West Wing. Um, but if you like, I can take you into the I can take, is it the East Wing, I don't know. I, I, he, I can take you into the, the Vice President's offices. Yeah. So I said, well, yeah, let's have a look. So off we went up this marble staircase, and we ended up sitting behind Al Gore's desk. Wow um and um you know it was this al gore had two desks he had the kind of um the ceremonial one in the big old paneled room with the with you know with the big old desk with the telephones on it and all of that and we sat behind that and he said he said you won't pick any of those phones up will you because if you do there'll be a SWAT team in here and you know in under a minute i said do you know i'd you know, it hadn't occurred to me to pick up any of those boxes. but I won't. I'm not going to order a pizza. Um, and, it, and there was a desk drawer in that in that desk, and if you, you pulled it out, it had a glass panel in the bottom, and beneath the glass, all the vice presidents going back to the 17th century had signed it in their own hand. They'd signed the wood. It was a, a oh. custom, you know, and they were all there, you know. I mean, all the famous names were in there. Um, and then we went across the hall and into another office, which was Al Gore's actual, actual desk where he sat during the day and did his work. Um, and we're kind of going, oh, well, this, is, this is mind-blowing. And, and, and then while this is all happening, he's, he's wearing this radio and it keeps clicking into... Because he was in radio contact with the guys on the roof of the White House who were his buddies and at some point he got a little message saying clinton had gone to bed and uh, he said oh he's gone to bed come on so off we went across the uh, across the white house lawn and through the rose garden and in into the in, in into the uh, west wing and we ended up standing in the open door of the oval office we weren't allowed in um but we were we were standing in the open door of the Oval Office and his footprints were still in the carpet, you know. You could see where he'd left and he'd literally just gone to bed. Um and that was round about the time all that stuff was going on with Lewinsky as well. So she was probably hiding under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: we were doing so well. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's
0: true. And I, and I said to the there was a the security guy standing by the the door of the Oval Office. I said, "Can I take a photograph?" He said, "No, sir. That's strictly illegal. But uh, if you were to do it and I didn't see, that would be fine." And he just looked the other way and I took a couple of pictures. <laughs> so. Oh, that's
1: brilliant! Oh, a, do you know what? What a great place to leave this week. <laughs> Re, re, you know, um, yeah, I think that's yeah. I'm a bit jealous, actually. Truth be known, I'm a bit jealous. It's yeah. one of the places I would love to go to.
0: That was pre nine eleven, you know. Yeah. So we yeah, you, forced, wouldn't get in there now. you wouldn't get anywhere near there now. Though. No. I couldn't oh, get. That's... We could not get over how relaxed it all was. You know, we, yeah. our heads were swimming. We would go, how on earth, how on earth are we here? Are we here? Yeah. Uh, but we were, you know. Any friend of Jeff's was a friend of theirs. You know, it was all it was all cool
1: grief it's harder than that to get into racket <laughs> um but that that's only because <laughs> Frenchie's dog takes a lump out of you when you walk in the door, um, knowing which
0: door to go in you see <laughs> yeah i I have trouble myself
1: <laughs> getting in do people not recognize you
0: <laughs> well, if they see me coming, obviously they lock the doors. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm the singer in the band uh the current one <laughs> um <laughs> right let's 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 call it a day for 20 yeah. for 23 yeah, uh what a lovely episode that that was um and uh, and yeah and we'll talk to everybody next week keep keep your merch ideas coming because they are they are very they are very fun yeah. um which is uh, which is great and we'll get we'll get back to you with some other stuff next week we need to go and record the odds and sodcast don't we we do. Um, I'm just, not
0: sure I can do it, darling, because I've been waiting up all night for a friend
1: <laughs> who let me down. Oh uh, well, at least the man with the telly's not been.
0: <laughs> well, not no, unless he's been and gone.
1: Yeah. There we yeah. Are. Oh, well, oh, well. that's another story for another day. Right. Um, in which case, I suppose, bye everybody. <laughs> oh, are we
0: still going? Bye
1: everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still going. Still, it's still running round. (laughs) Oh, it's a beautiful guitar player.
0: Thank you for being purple, Gavin Hart. Thank you for being purple Barry Nichols And Rowland Sulla Thank you, last of all I'm up to date now Judith Garbert Who is my most recent Purple patron Thank you Judith I hope there's a few more Next week